This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Welcome in to the Online Choir podcast live on YouTube. It is a late one here at State Farm Center as we just saw an NBA game breakout at State Farm Center. And myself as an NBA fan that enjoys great offense, uh, I say that is a positive thing because this was a heck of a lot more entertaining than whatever happened at Maryland tonight uh, as Northwestern and Maryland got into a slugfest there. Northwestern wins, but Illinois plays a much different game in a shootout with Minnesota. A ton of offense, not a lot of effective defense, but Illinois finds a way to win 105-97 to keep a game lead over Northwestern for second place and set up what is a very meaningful game at Wisconsin on Saturday afternoon. But Derek, uh, that was an enjoyable offensive performance from both these teams is Terrence Shannon, 29 points. Marcus Damask, phenomenal second half. He had 22 points, seven rebounds, five assists in this one. Coleman Hawkins, great first half, 15 points uh, in the first half to get 20 for the night. Uh, and we got Dane Danger with a big performance off the bench with 11 points. But Dawson Garcia, 29 points. He was great. Took it at Illinois post players. And Cam Christie from Illinois looked as good as his brother, Max, who's been in the NBA for a couple years. Career high, 23 points, 17 in the first half, 6 of 9 from 3. Derek, just uh, first thoughts on uh, the first 100-point performance. You've looked this up for Illinois in regulation in a Big Ten game in three decades. Kawan Garrison, Deion Thomas, right? We're on that team. That's right. TJ Wheeler also on that squad as well. So um, it's crazy because you have this dichotomy of unbelievable offense versus some pretty abysmal defense. Now I'll give credit to Minnesota for making some tough shots. I didn't think Illinois made things exceptionally tough early, like Cam Christie coming off those screens and being able to knock down threes. Uh, Dawson Garcia, one-on-one in the post. Uh, and so they kind of – there was a little bit of a snowball effect where you let some momentum from Minnesota early on really allow them to get comfortable offensively. So uh, they were in the game, obviously, throughout most of it. And it took, similar to Iowa, a late stretch defensively with about five, six minutes left, get some stops and pull away and, and be able to get that thing done. So uh, it's just crazy because Illinois – offensively on paper third in the country this if you look just at metrics just at analytics this is a more productive offense points per possession than the 2004-05 Illini team which is thought of as one of the obviously best teams Illinois has ever put on the court D Brown Darren Williams with their head on and on defensively they dropped from like 58th in Ken Palm defense to like 95th so they're nearly falling out of the hunt falling out of the top 100 they've been falling like a rock really over the last two months so giving up 97 to minnesota a team that just scored 55 in nebraska that's hard to stomach it's hard to stomach what illinois is doing defensively but yet the offense is just unbelievable they create matchup issues for just about everybody and shannon 
had a bounce back as I thought he would. Coleman continues to play with good confidence. And not only – I know we're going to talk about it, but not only shooting it from three, but doing some stuff off the bounce. And it's that interesting part of, you know, is, is the defense enough to get them through in March, but the offense can – they can score with anybody. So yeah. it's it's kind of crazy. Yeah, here's from Isaac Trotter. If, you, if you're not watching on YouTube, if you're just listening on the podcast, best Big Ten offensive ratings in conference games during the Ken Palm era. Number one, this year's 2024 Purdue team with Zach Eady, Lance Jones, Braden Smith. 2015 Wisconsin is number two. Remember how great that offensive team was. Frank Kaminsky, Nigel Hayes, and Sam Decker. Number three, the 2024 Illini with Shannon Damask and Hawkins. Number four, that 2005 Illini team, D. Darren and Luther. Um, this is an unbelievable offense. And, and let, let's take a minute uh, and, and talk about it, Derek, because first half, Coleman Hawkins off the bounce, phenomenal. Like you're seeing him get into his bag a little bit more. I, I'm not seeing him in mock drafts enough yet. And I'm just seeing a game, Derek, that translates so well. And he's taken advantage the last two games of good matchups, right? Iowa, slow lumbering bigs. Uh, Minnesota, I mean, their bigs are really good. Dawson Garcia's not the most athletic guy. Pharrell Payne can vertical leap, but he's Coleman Hawkins is quicker uh, than those guys. Not that Coleman's like the top tier quick athlete, but we, he's so smooth. He's good off the bounce, cut down on turnovers today, uh, but he was great there. Terrence Shannon was all American Terrence Shannon yet again, 29 points on what, 18 shots or something like that. 16 shots, eight of 16 today, four of eight from three, got downhill in the second half. Uh, and then Marcus Damask had a bad first half, Chasing Cam Christie, couldn't guard him. Offensively, only had four points on four shots. Second half, he was dominant. He really took advantage of those Minnesota guards, and they just had no answers. And it's all about matchups, Derek. Like Coleman Hawkins took advantage of his matchup. Terrence Shannon, Marcus Damas took advantage of their matchups. And it's not like I see people wanting like sets and doing these things. Why? When, when all you need is a good player that can beat a player who can't guard him, and that's what Illinois continues to do over and over again. So we'll get to the defensive side of this, but really no one has really been able to stop Illinois uh, offensively. And that is a good thing going into the tournament. That is a thing that is going to help Illinois because last year towards the end of the season, this team was atrocious offensively. Uh, I know they were, they were really starting to struggle defensively down the stretch too, but uh, they, they couldn't get a bucket unless Matthew Meyer really got hot. So um, that is an encouraging part because there's some good defensive teams that aren't able to stop you right now. 100%. Yeah. And just not many teams are built like this where they have enough positional size to be able to not be exploited in matchups. Because even though Illinois is getting hurt by guard play a decent amount, uh, those guards a lot of times stuck guarding Marcus Damas, Ty Rogers, somebody like that. Even we've seen Coleman Hawkins at times getting those matchups and when they back you down and teams feel like they have to double a lot of times, then they leave open threes on the backside, which happened tonight, or Marcus Damas just goes to work like he did in the second half. So uh, it's just a team that has schemed up this thing really, really well. It's not anything entirely complex in terms of actions or anything. They're just hunting matchups, and uh, they're out booty balling booty ball Penn State last year. Like, you look at – they were a marvel in terms of the league last season. I know part of it's because it's Penn State and kind of came out of nowhere, uh, so to speak. But uh, I think that you look at the metrics, Illinois is better offensively than a really, really good Penn State offense was last year. And then like Isaac pointed out, I mean, it's 
it's historically one of the best on paper offenses that we've seen here over the last two and a half decades. So, uh, can I give you a stat that blows my mind? Yeah, eleven of the last twelve games, Illinois has scored eighty plus points. Ten of those twelve, they've scored eighty-five plus. The one game they didn't, they beat Indiana 70 to 62. Ugly game. Indiana's pretty good defensively. They have positional size, right? At every position, but they still weren't able to score as much as you because they're not very good offensively. That's amazing. No, it really is. Yeah. It's funny. I was laughing. I almost tweeted it. I didn't because we pretty much be poking fun at ourselves. But we could go back and find a summer podcast where we talk about <laughs> this team having to rock fight their way through a lot of big 10 games um, because they didn't have a point guard and they had some questionable three point shooting. And now they're one of the best offenses that we've seen in in 25 years. Um, But at the same time, their defense is a shell of what we expected and what they were even earlier in the season. So um, this must be what I tweeted this though. This must be what big 12 football looks like um, for those that watch on a regular basis. Um, It's fun. It's entertaining. It does get frustrating because I think you know what this team could do if they were just average defensively. And it's not because they're athletically limited. It's it's some things that they need to clean up to to make that run because you worry about them if they if they have an off night from Shannon or if they don't make threes or whatever it may be or they just got outscored by a team that really maybe shouldn't beat them. Um, you know, Minnesota hasn't scored in the 90s all year long. I just said they scored 55 against Nebraska. Penn State had 48 yep. at Nebraska, then hung 90 on you in State College. So there is a give and take here. But, yes, the offense is special. Yeah, and it's fun to watch. But, yes, let's get to the concern here. Um, because you needed your offense to have just four turnovers tonight. You needed your offense to shoot 61%, 10 of 22 from three, uh, get to the free throw line like you did. You needed them to do that because your defense couldn't get stops until that one stretch. I mean, how many kills do you think they had tonight? One, maybe two, yeah. all in that final minutes, which was part of closing. They were able to to get some stops at, at some points there in one key stretch. But even towards the end, I know Illinois kind of was just trying not to foul in the last two minutes, but Minnesota cut it to six there. Um, you allowed Minnesota to shoot 14 of 20. Cam Christie hit some tough ones. But Mitchell was 4 of 4. Not a lot of teams are going to shoot that. So you were able to survive that. That's a kudos to your offense. But they just never looked uncomfortable. And teams look like they come into this confident now against Illinois and their defense. Like they know what they can attack. You know, right away, Garcia is going to work on Coleman Hawkins and Quincy Garrier. And Cam Christie hits a three or two. And you're like, oh, okay, here we go. Uh, and, And Illinois had no answer really most of the game, Derek. So, why has this defense fallen off a cliff? Because you're right. I thought this team was going to win rock fights. I really did. I, I thought with the offense they had, we didn't know what Marcus Damas could be this good in booty ball. We didn't think Coleman Hawkins would shoot 40% from three. We thought, can he shoot 32% from three? Um, but Ty Rogers and what are they going to do offensively without a point guard? And can they do anything with ball screens? Well, they figured that offense out, but this defense still, I can't believe it's this bad. Right. I do think that with the offense, it still gives you a higher ceiling than if they were a rock fight team. Like I, yes. I think as far as the tournament goes, because you can outgun people and you need to score. Brad's continued to harp on that in the tournament. You have to score to be able to win in March. But to get enough stops, um, especially when you need them late in games and closing time and all that or putting teams away, 
those are all big questions. I think as far as this game goes, uh, I wondered, and I, I didn't love that, and Minnesota does put you in a little bit of a bind with this. I didn't love that Hawkins wasn't on Garcia to start. But then again, you know, when he was, that was a post-up action. It shows that Coleman just has a hard time dealing with people inside. He He's not uh, exceptionally strong and, and doesn't provide a lot of rim protection. And that's just a kind of a weak spot that he has in his game. Outside of that, I mean, if he's defending in space and uh, getting in passing lanes, active hands, swatting the ball away, I mean, he's he's exceptional. Exceptional, exceptional. It's late, and uh, I don't sleep anymore. Uh, <laughs> so you don't sleep anymore with the baby, so it doesn't matter. Yeah, um, <laughs> he's he does a lot of things really, really well defensively. That's one thing that is a weak spot. And uh, but Quincy Garden Garcia wasn't able to slow him down early. I think Quincy just is someone that just positioning wise, you know, he he bit on a fake from Garcia really early in the game, and Garcia gave him a look like, "Is that really how you're going to guard me? Like this is going to be an easy night." Uh, and then Cam Christie coming off of screens and with Illinois playing drop and they chase up, they chase over every screen. I know if you go under, you can kind of get buried and, and that provides space too. But if you, if you chase over it and you have drop that, that's sh- that shooter, that ball handler sees nothing but open space in front of them. So that's either a pull up shot. You got to recover. Well, I think Terrence does that well outside of that. I think Ty doesn't do it all that great. And some other guys, Marcus tonight struggled and also the mid range too. So um, yeah, in contrast to Nebraska, which, I would, didn't know this until writing on my preview last night. Nebraska's been the number one defense since February 1st in the country. So um, chalk that wow. up is something that you needed to know, I guess. But and um, I don't think of anybody but Juwan Gary as a good individual defender there. <laughs> right. But watching – I went back and watched that Minnesota game. Their effort – Nebraska flies around on defense. Now, they, they doubled every post touch by Garcia. Uh, they just really got into Cam Christie and, and made cut off his air and – just, just they recover and, and and help out so well and they're physical. Illinois doesn't, number one, they don't fly around. Uh, and also, I just think that their intensity lacks there sometimes as well. Brad, some of it, in my opinion, it's it's risk management, but also it's I think it's kind of stubbornness of not wanting to put an older team, a decently athletic team in rotation. I get why they don't, yeah. they don't want to go up threes. They don't want to get busted coverages more so than they've already had. But by not kind of playing a little bit in scramble mode, I think that they they get caught on an island, and there's there's some noticeable. I think teams know where those weak spots are. They know help's not coming, and they can just take advantage of that. Well, I I get it. Like Iowa, I thought they did a pretty good job of sticking to what they do, and it ended up working in the end because in the second half, Iowa's shooting found water, which meant it regressed. Like that first half, they just kind of outshot the shot quality that they had today, Minnesota still stepping into threes, still getting wide open threes. I just want to blitz some double team Garcia, get the ball out of his hands in the second half, just some change ups there. Like that, that's what I would like to see a little bit more where you just get a couple different defensive looks because other teams are doing what Illinois does, which is they're hunting out matchups. And if they're going to give Dawson Garcia against Coleman Hawkins in a post up, they're going to do the same thing, booty ball. And we saw that happening tonight. And then this team cannot guard ball screens. Uh, and the drop, I'm just really shocked that they continue to have Coleman so deep in, in that drop. And I I understand they don't want to get in rotations, but getting Coleman out there to make somebody uncomfortable, I, I think, can be good. If, if you can't rely on the rest of your guys to, to know that stuff, maybe that's where they're at right now. They, they just can't rely on those guys to do it. But uh, it just – when teams continue to do this, it just 
at some point changing it up a little bit like we saw against Maryland, I just feel like keeps teams on their toes a little bit and makes them uncomfortable for a couple possessions where Minnesota, until that one stretch late in the second half, just never looked uncomfortable. I don't know if you win that Maryland game without blitzing Jameer Young for a little bit of like a four or five minute stretch. So just doing something that a team maybe doesn't expect you to do or just throwing something different, like you said, with the changeup is super important. And I I do have to point out uh, someone in the comments makes a good point. I I mentioned they don't want to give up threes. They gave up quite a few threes tonight, 14 of them. That's what I mean. Like like against Iowa, you still didn't give up three point looks, right? Like they they couldn't get any, they're four of 12 from three. Tonight you're giving up 23s and they're, Good look. Like Mitchell didn't miss a three, four or four, and they're all just corner looks. Yep. Hawkins deserves a lot of credit. He's a really good point guard. But Cam Christie is like those in ball screens. I mean, he made some good shots, but letting him feel good like that with the ball screen coverage was was bothersome. Yeah, I just I don't know why you don't vary it up a little bit. Um, and I do think that they, as far as the Christie coverage, they did make it harder for him to get the ball in his hands. I, I noticeably knew late in the game, Harmon trying to really like front his catches. Uh, Terrence was on him some in the second half too. Uh, so Christie, who had 17 and a half, I think he finished, he only had six in the in the second half, finished with 23. It was still a season high, but that was something that did change. But yes, in the, in the ball screen, they've just gotten, like you said, they've gotten torched in ball screen coverage, whether it's a guard coming off, shooting the mid-range, a floater, going to the rim against Coleman. Sometimes guys just, going through Coleman at, at the basket because, uh, you know, not the most physically imposing guy sitting back there and drop. So uh, it's been something that teams can really exploit. I think also with the threes tonight off of second chance points, um, second chance leads to kickouts and some open threes and then transition to, I think Illinois still gets lost in transition sometimes. And um, that's some stuff that needs to be worked on. And, and some of the correctable things, some stuff in terms of some athletic limitations or just the way they're going to, guard things some some won't change but uh, I think that those are some certain things that that can be tweaked and can be addressed and to try to make some progress there uh it's after 11 30 we got 300 plus people in the live youtube we appreciate all you guys give us a like subscribe to us hit the notifications bell if you got questions send those in if you got super chats or we'll try to get to as many as we can before we get out of here hopefully before midnight uh so we can get home here but here's brad underwood talking about the defense i asked him uh his concerns about it number 13 ranked team in the country of the number three offensive efficiency your defense fell in 95 tonight is that how concerning is that or do you need more balance there? Just what's your take? Probably, on? probably. I mean, there's no doubt. I, you know, I mean, it, it, I'm not as worried about it when we're playing the number of possessions we're getting. You know, I'm, you know, it's 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 kind of the old cliche. You know, how to how to how do you move up in the net? How do you get in the you know in Ken Palm? Well, you beat people by a hundred. You know, if you, or you or you, it's offensive based. Uh, I think in the NCAA tournament, I think you got to be able to score. I think we have a lot of weapons to score. Do you need to be? Do we need to be better defensively? Yes. And my problem defensively is some of the mistakes that we're making, and and we've got to those those are allowing teams a good starts. Selling a little or a lot. 
Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage, to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is here to help you grow, whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits. Shopify helps you sell everywhere, from their all-in-one e-commerce platform to their in-person POS system. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify has got you covered. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 15% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. And sell more with less effort thanks to Shopify Magic, your AI-powered all-star. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. And Shopify is the global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklinen, and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 175 countries. Plus, Shopify's award-winning 24-7 help is there to support your success every step of the way. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash odysseypodcast, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash odysseypodcast now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash odysseypodcast. Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. And I think he's referencing mistakes. He's talking about scouting report kind of errors. Um, There were a couple threes that... He yelled at, including one late in the game where it was 105 to 94, and I think they let a shooter step into a three, and and Brad was kind of irate uh, about that, especially with their late game issues. I still think there's some schematic things they they can do here, Derek. Just again, some changeups. But uh, anything else we haven't covered about the defense? No, not really. I think that yeah, scheme with the ball screen stuff. Uh, it's also then just discipline, discipline and effort stuff too. I, I think. Yeah. Uh, getting back on defense, matching up, just kind of having a, an intensity and a physicality about you from the, the very jump. I thought they did a pretty good job of that early against Iowa, even when Iowa was scoring, like the way that Shannon was guarding Tony Perkins, the way that Marcus was fighting his butt off to make sure that Sanford didn't have good looks. Maybe tonight they they could have given a little bit more effort there, but I, I think schematically is is something that it's not it doesn't explain all the issues for sure. Um, right. But I think I think when he also talks about some of the mistakes, it's just like jumping at a pump fake or, or fouling when a guy like we we were talking about earlier. Uh, you know, some of Coleman's fouls are just are soft fouls. They're they're maybe scoring through him, plus he's giving up a foul. So I, I think there's a a variety of issues that right now just lead to Illinois being far too easy to put points up against. But fortunately, and, and to Brad's point, like. They they can they can outgun you and they're they're doing that to a lot of teams right now. All right, Derek, we talked about Shannon, Damask, Hawkins, all over twenty points tonight. Uh, all all Big Ten guys, but next on the scoring list, we can call him rotational player Dane Danger. Eleven points. It's a Big Ten high. Four of five from the field. Made all three of his free throws, and he had six rebounds. He's got fourteen rebounds uh, in thirty three minutes during the last two games. 
Uh, two good matchups for him with Iowa and Minnesota, with two bigs. So I think he's a matchup play against bigger teams, but he is earning these minutes, Derek. Uh, obviously, we know he can be good offensively. He finished unlike against Iowa. But the one thing I'm seeing out of him is he's getting to stay on the court and get into an offensive rhythm because he's giving something defensively and on the glass, most importantly. Like There's just another intensity and effort there for him. But three of the last five games, he's played 13-plus minutes. Before that, he had two Big Ten games over the first, what, 15 that he played double-digit minutes. So what do you make of, of Dane Danger kind of breaking into a role here late in the season? I agree with you. Activity on the glass, and I think he's been – as engaged at the Iowa game is as engaged as I can remember him playing defensively. Like some of his deflections, some of came over and, and, and swatted a shot and helped defense. He had another one of those tonight. I thought he was Illinois' toughest interior defender. Now he's, he's the most physically strong. He's the biggest. So it, it makes sense, but especially against Pharrell Payne, if, if you weren't as familiar with him, like that dude's pretty strong and athletic. Uh, he's, he's a good player. And then obviously they have uh, Dawson Garcia as well to go with that. So, uh, yeah, we know what he's capable of offensively, like his footwork, ability to spin right hand, left hand. Uh, he can do all that stuff. Sometimes he gets himself in trouble trying to maybe overcomplicate it or, or make it a little too fancy or what what have you. But I think that it is the offensive offensive glass. It is the the defense in terms of just being in, being act, active and and look, he's not going to be able to cover nearly as much ground as Coleman. But then matchups matter too. Now, I do wonder, you know, Wisconsin plays Crowell and Wall together. I know that's not really two fives, but Wall's a post guy um, for the most part. And, and maybe you put Coleman on him and uh, would want some minutes with Dane and Crowell. Because I, I don't know that Crowell's going to guard him all that well if you get him in some one-on-one -on -one post touches. Yeah, Crowell can stretch you out a little bit. I don't think he's shooting all that well this year. I'd have to go, have to go look at that, but – He's he can be taken advantage of defensively with a guy like Dane. So yeah, I, I think there's a matchup there, Purdue, right? Like Trey Kaufman right? <laughs> kind of yeah, right. You know, went all over you. So maybe you can go a bigger lineup there. But with the way Quincy's struggling, man, there's minutes to be had. Quincy hit a couple big threes tonight. I'll, I'll, I'll give him that. Um, Ten points, but only three rebounds in 25 minutes. Defensively, man, he's killing you. I, he's just not giving anything on that end. Had a terrible foul, just got caught in the air. I don't know what he was trying to do there, uh, going for a block, but he's just not making the, the right plays defensively right now. So that gives Dane an opportunity, especially against these bigger teams that, that you're going up against. And kudos to him for making the most of it. That's been really impressive the last couple of games, getting Amani, Nicolo Moretti, and, and Dane Danger, who have been struggling to find minutes. But those guys are ready when their opportunity came. So that depth is going to play. And at some point in the NCAA tournament, probably going to need Dane Danger. Probably going to need some offense. Probably going to need some size. Coleman Hawkins probably will get in foul trouble. That's where that depth comes in, Derek. 100%. Yeah, and it's great to see uh, the front court as far as the depth come along at the same time. Maybe it's not a coincidence. Maybe Imani's emergence pushed Dane a little bit and kind of was a, a message to him that, hey, if you don't pick it up, you're about to – might get buried on this bench with Imani taking some of these minutes. But uh, then also, you know, I got to give credit to, to Dane for not losing entire focus and, and keeping at it and being ready. And, you know, his performance is huge against Iowa. And, and I think it was uh, important tonight as well. So uh, him going out there, it, it helps make Illinois um, a little bit more, I wouldn't say, I don't know if matchup proof is the right way, but just 
being versatile with the way they can match up with people. They can play with Coleman at the five. Teams want to play a little bit smaller. They can play uh, a bigger lineup if, if there's more size and, and you need that physicality or you need maybe a just a way to get the ball to the paint, throwing the ball inside to him and and know he can go to work and, and also hit the glass a little bit too. So uh, I, I like the way that he's – He's given that. I like the way that uh, Amani's come on too. I know it wasn't his best night tonight, but um, he's he's been someone at least you know will bring the the grit and physicality and, and effort on the glass too. So um, that's certainly good. And I mean, yeah, I mean you get in you usually get in a bind in postseason play for whatever reason, foul trouble, guy gets nicked up, somebody doesn't have it. And recently, it's been Quincy that just for whatever reason hasn't really had it. Um, and maybe that changed. I think it does need to change for Illinois to hit its ultimate ceiling, but it's good to have Dane coming on uh, in the meantime. Luke Goody, just two minutes today, bad matchup, right? And, and you saw it when he came in and he was guarding Dawson Garcia. It was just a bad oh, matchup. Yeah. Don't need Luke Goody. Don't need Luke Goody at some point. Made a three today. Um, shot another one, missed it, but that was just a bad matchup for him. Uh, this, I'll throw at you too, five of the last six games, Terrence Shannon scored 27-plus points there. Unbelievable. Uh, I don't know how with the stats you can keep him off of any of this, any of these conversations as far as all Americans and watch lists and whatnot, big, all big 10 uh, first team. I know people have their own votes and, and can do what they want to do, but I mean, he's, he's been dynamic and explosive. It's physically dominant out there. I mean, we've talked about it before. I mean, you know, Edie with what he does inside is easily the most physically dominant guy, but I, would argue Terrence in transition is is probably a close second, and it's it's just so hard to deal with. And he made some threes tonight, and it's it's been something to to watch. I mean, he's one of the best guys, the most talented players to ever suit up at Illinois. I think that's and uh, you know really on paper with what he's done this year, he belongs in the rafters. Um, that's mm -hmm. that's the basketball side of it. Obviously, there's more yep. to it uh, with what's what's going on off the court too. But Illinois. Want, needed this version to, to really regain who they were, you know, pre suspension. And he's, he's lived up to it and has, has really been someone you don't want to see going into March. Marcus DeMass during big 10 play averaging 18.2 points per game. He's actually shooting 35% from three now uh, during big 10 play, which is kind of a surprising stat to me. Uh, and then Coleman Hawkins, Averaging 14.6 points, 6.1 rebounds, 2.9 assists, a block a game, two steals a game, and shooting 40% from three. All three of those guys are probably going to be on my top ten uh, of my all-Big Ten voting. Terrence first team, Marcus and Coleman probably second team. Marcus has a case for first team. I just don't know if he'll get there uh, based on some of the other players in the Big Ten. Um, so I, th those three, man, like this is one of the better trios We've seen. I mean, we've we've seen Kofi Io and Trent here recently, but this one's this one's up there, man. This is uh one of the more talented trios of seniors we've ever seen. It's great to have a big three. You know, that's why they made right. as big of a deal about the one that went to Miami, the one that was in Boston. You could say Jordan Pip and Rodman were one. I'm look, I'm not trying to say the same <laughs> thing, but uh, I, I know in previous years, kind of the to what I'm getting at. There's been an obvious one, but Illinois hasn't had that. Who, who's the consistent two to like Malcolm Hill or, you know, when Io's going, can can Trent be a consistent two? We've been in those spots. Sometimes Illinois has two and that third guy is is not there to, to have. Well, I mean, well, a, lot, a lot of times, 
a lot of times, like Malcolm Hill, I was like, man, he'd be a great number two. Like that's Marcus yeah, Damask. Right. Like Marcus Damask and Malcolm Hill are, are kind of similar. Um, you thought maybe if Kendrick Nunn wasn't kicked off the team, like those two that year could have could have been that. But the, the talent accrual is is ridiculous, and the offensive system obviously is flourishing. We've talked about the defensive side of it, but that big three, man, I I don't remember the last time Illinois. Kofi and Iowa were first and second team. I don't think Trent was. Trent and Kofi were first and second team. I don't know the last time they've had three guys that were all first and second team. Probably 0405 because yeah. they had three first teamers, right? Yeah, that's unbelievable to think about. And, and just not only how good all three of those guys are collectively, but they they complement each other so well. Like they they fit together. Uh, one thing. Me and you have talked about for years, I feel like, how come Malcolm Hill, Kendrick Nunn, and Ravante Rice, who on paper, just the thought of those three guys' individual talents couldn't be a, a supercharged trio for Illinois. It just didn't work. Yep. But this one really works. Like Coleman with the development of, of his three ball, you know, with the way that Terrence gets downhill, the way that Marcus can pass but also post up. Terrence can shoot the three when Marcus is posting, like, those guys just all really fit well uh, and, and can they can just kind of shift based on whatever angle they want to hit you with. So, uh, I mean, Damas to go from the Valley to then in conference play, putting up like 18 a game uh, and shooting those percentages, having started so slow from three to uh, that's encouraging these bounce back like that. And then Coleman, if you would have told, you know, if you would have told us that, you know, off season coming off of shooting what 28, 29% from three that he's going to shoot 40, 40 plus in Big Ten. I mean, that's, that's exactly what the NBA wants to see. And that's exactly what Illinois needs to really have uh, the stretch big that kills you like that. Oh, one last thing before we get to, or two last things before we get to uh, what's ahead here, Derek. Just think of how good the, the offense could have been tonight if the defense would have gotten some stops and they got out in transition. Illinois had one point off turnover, uh, Minnesota had five. Every time, Minnesota turned it over. Illinois had a bad possession, it felt like. Um, and then Illinois just six fast break points tonight. Uh, so Minnesota was able to stop them from getting in transition uh, because they miss any shots barely. But uh, that's the thing. Like, th this offense only gets better once you, you get a couple stops because you got that dude in transition with a bunch of other length and athleticism. That's the other thing. Like, as productive as Terrence has been, if this – this team, which I ran in the stats, uh, we already mentioned the overall season, Ken Palm, but Torvik since February 1st, Illinois is 263rd in defense. They're first in offense, by the way, first nationally in offense. So if their defense was better, their offense would only get better. Like they would be right. that much – because Illinois' most – I mean, Terrence is his most effective self in the open court, more stops, more chances for him to get out and run. That part of it's kind of crazy too. If they could actually just piece together a little bit more defensively, their offense might be even more of a machine, which is which is crazy. All right, I'll do my best, uh, Larry David impression here. Cam Christie, pretty pretty good, pretty good. Um, In-state kid. You and I were joking. Owen Freeman and Cam Christie, two Illinois kids. What was Brad Underwood thinking? Um, Cam Christie was not as I mean he was highly recruited in the Big Ten, but like the big boys. In the Big Ten, like Tom Izzo uh, didn't recruit him, right? Like, he's turned into a heck of a player. Like, I have a tough vote for, for freshman of the year. I mean, Owen Freeman's winning every Big Ten freshman of the week, but Cam Christie is just really coming on here late in the year and 
that game looked as good as any game I can remember that Max had his freshman year, and Max was like oh, man. the Ballyhood recruit of the two. Right, yeah, Max came here and struggled. I think he had six points on the game, and Cam had that as soon as he walked off the bus. Like, he was just cooking. And, and like, his threes were barely even – like, a lot of them weren't even touching the rim. Like, they were just splashing uh, with he's, – he's got a pure stroke. He's, he's a really smooth offensive player. That was something that, that you could see as a, as a high school prospect. Uh, Illinois, at one, I mean, for a while, didn't, didn't offer, weren't really that involved. Then he really started coming on. Um, and his development at Rolling Meadows. And I think they offered after, you know, during or after his junior year, uh, we're involved with him some that summer, but his final AAU season um, ultimately didn't push the gas and really make an all out type of you're a priority target for us type of push. And, uh, but you could say, like you mentioned, Michigan state had offered, but they didn't go in on him. Purdue had offered, didn't really go in on him. Ohio state on, on the line, but uh, Minnesota, and like Iowa Minnesota, state, yeah, Iowa State yeah, in the was, right? Like, yeah, yep. Yeah. Went after him. Minnesota, of course, not only prioritized him, but had a real chance for him to come in and play a lot as a freshman. So, um, But it is kind of crazy not to, like, knock DGL too much, but a guy that was formerly a top 50, I know he kind of fell towards the very end of his high school career in terms of where he landed, but DGL a lot more highly hyped as a prospect, uh, obviously fighting it right now and not – you know, not getting DMPs and whatnot. Um, different situations, of course. Not saying that DGL right. on Minnesota wouldn't be putting up numbers or that Cam would be here and starting and be Illinois' third or fourth best player. He wouldn't. So, uh, but, man, he looks really good. He looks really, really good. Yeah, and talk about bad preseason takes, but, I mean, they're all real. Ben Johnson, man, what, what a year. What a bounce-back year. I, I had left him for dead. Because there's no signs, really, the first two years, right? There were no signs of this. But, man, I mean, these guys have taken huge steps forward. You get a couple really good transfers in the backcourt, Hawkins and Mitchell. But Garcia's an all-Big Ten, maybe second-team player. Payne has really developed well. And then you had a guy like Cam Christie that can that can light it up. That, that team's just been competitive and spunky all year. When you look at some of the bottom teams in the Big Ten, like Maryland and Michigan that have been – Ohio State that have been really dis- disappointing, uh, kudos to, to Ben Johnson. He, he's earned another year, obviously, and maybe they're starting to build something there. Uh, so I think Hoiberg will win Big Ten Coach of the Year. I think he's deserving of that. But uh, Ben Johnson's going to get a lot of votes for that too. Yeah, they got some good pieces. Now, knowing the portal era, it's going to be hard to keep maybe some of them. Uh, I don't know. Not that saying they don't like it at Minnesota or anything, but – uh, you know, Dawson Garcia probably has another year, probably has a COVID year, right? And um, people may be banging on his door because, you know, you can transfer a million times now in these days. So uh, who knows with that? Uh, I don't know that, you know, Cam would leave. But, yeah, really good job to to really get an entirely new backcourt, to bring in uh, Elijah Hawkins, who's one of the top assist guys in the country. Great speed. I know defensively he can be a little bit of a liability because of his lack of size, but – Great speed has really turned them up in transition, has turned them up off the bounce uh, to feed other guys. And then Mike Mitchell Jr. from Pepperdine went in and shot the lights out today. Christy did too. Um, so those guys can really be buckets. And then down low, yeah, they have a nice tandem of Garcia and, and Payne. It's been a good move to have Payne come along and play two bigs together. And Payne looks like a good you – know, not a guy that, to my knowledge, was super hyped out of, out of high school and – Showed some flashes down the stretch of last year. Now as a sophomore, looks like a pretty darn good athlete and physical. And they could bring a lot of these guys back, if not 
you know, pretty much all yeah. of them as far as their their main five. So um, credit to Ben Johnson for not only just showing life, like they they're a middle of the pack decent Big Ten team. They play hard, man. They they play really hard, um, and uh, that's noticeable compared to the rest of the Big Ten. Here we go, Derek. Three games left for Illinois. They're twelve and five in the Big Ten, twenty-one and seven overall. Still two games back of Purdue, but you go to Wisconsin, Derek. You win that, and you bring Purdue into town next week uh, and Tuesday. Um, so it's a quick turnaround there, and you have something to play for there. And, and then you make things interesting. I think Purdue has Michigan State this weekend, uh, and that at home. And then uh, who they wrap Wisconsin. up with? Wisconsin. Yep. Yeah, Wisconsin at home. So they do play two, three tougher teams, as Illinois does here to, to end this stretch. Obviously, Illinois needs to win out to have any chance at a Big Ten championship share here. Most importantly, uh, they have a one-game lead on Northwestern, who won tonight, uh, and then a two-game lead on the double bye in the Big Ten. I think if they get one more win, it's going to be really hard to lose that double bye because I, I don't see Wisconsin or Nebraska um, winning out here, Michigan State winning out here. So um, here you go. Three games left. What do you make of what's left for Illinois here? Still a lot to play for. Uh, of course, if it does become a situation where Michigan State or Wisconsin were to beat Purdue and you got them here in Champaign, then there's enormous amount of stakes uh, when you're talking about a Big Ten title. But I think realistically or, or just more likely Illinois trying to get a couple more quad one wins, three chances in your final three games to make a real push at a three seed um, going into the big 10 tournament. I think you win two of the next three, go to the big 10 tournament, make it to at least Saturday, if not Sunday, uh, I think that would really give you a legit chance. I mean, it would it matter who some of those teams are in front of you that might, you know, whether they go on runs in their conference tournaments or they fall, that, that would be something to really watch on the stretch, but, for obvious reasons, a three seed, avoid that one, avoid a, a four or five, um, could, could put Illinois in a much better position to go on a run. But uh, And then just to, to really limit the floor, too, I, I think winning one of these next three probably probably prevents the slide to like a six, I, I would imagine. Um, so you'd probably yeah. be locked in that four or five. So, uh, but I think also then you're really just – it's about momentum too. It's about trying to play your best basketball at the right time, really getting tested, which you will two tough road environments at Wisconsin, at Iowa city, and then playing the best of the big town on your home floor. So uh, a lot of fun matchups and uh, we'll see what Illinois is made of again, a team that blow for blow offensively can, I mean, I can't wait for that Purdue game, but the Wisconsin game will be a lot of fun too. Uh, but yeah. can they get stops against some of the better teams in the big Ten? I think that's, that's going to be really noticeable over the next two games in particular. Uh, two things, just want to update some stats-wise. Illinois, 7-0 and against quad three opponents after tonight. You avoided those bad losses, 5-0 and against quad four. So 12-0 and against those. So you got no real big blemishes. Obviously, the home loss to, to Maryland, you're without Terrence Shannon there, of course. Uh, but that's the worst loss on, on your resume right now um, based on the, the quads here. Um, so you avoided those. And now you have opportunities. This is, Derek, I think we're, it's all about the eye test. The, these last three games, we know how good this offense is. I think it's going to be a problem for Wisconsin. I think it's going to be a problem for Iowa. But winning on the road at places like that, um, I think it's going to be really important. The quad wins are, are important, but I, I just think that's what NCAA tournament teams do pressure on tough environments you go win at places like that especially with wisconsin struggling like they are right and they've been they've won their last two home games 
uh, against Ohio State and Maryland, two teams not as good as you, but you're a more talented team. You're a better team than Wisconsin. Uh, so I think going to win there is huge. You set yourself up for a huge opportunity against Purdue. And that's the one, if, if you're able to beat that team, Derek, and all of a sudden you zoom out of, of the schedule and what they've done, like if you are able to win the next three games, I think one, they're probably getting to a three seed. I think that's when we're starting to talk about that, depending on what happens in the Big Ten tournament. But then you'd be looking at, let's see here, 10 of the last 12 games you've won and building that momentum and looking like a team that can make a run because you're going to have to beat a team like Purdue at some point if you want to make an extended run. You're going to have to beat a team like Wisconsin in the first weekend as well. So I, I think that's where this next week is going to be really interesting. Right, and Purdue's a win that is in just a different echelon than what's currently on your resume, obviously. I mean, your best win right now is still Michigan State, who you saw that picture is middle of the pack in the Big Ten. And I know the metrics say that they're a top 20 to 25 team, and uh, FAU doesn't look as good. I know we've, we've been talking about that over the last month or so, but uh, Purdue would be one of those elite quad 1A type of wins. I know it is on your home floor. It obviously would have been better if you beat them in Mackey, but Nobody seems to be doing that. So uh, you'll, you'll take one if you can get one on your home floor against them. And then uh, a road win at Wisconsin, even though they're, you know, they've lost six of their last eight, went uh, two and six in February. Um, still would be a, a nice win to get. Good battle of all Big Ten big guards as far as Shannon and, and A.J. Store. And then, of course, Wisconsin, similar to Illinois, has a lot of veteran pieces, older guys, Hepburn, Wall, Crowell, uh, Klesmet. So, uh, that should be a, a good test, but yeah, I agree. It's it's seeing where this team stacks stacks up against some other. You know, Wisconsin's a still five or six seed as of right now. Um, Purdue obviously a one seed, and how that thing just continues to go. I know someone did bring up in the in the chat that hey, you know, if they go really hot, could they reach the two line as far as the NCAA tournament? It's possible. I mean, they'd have to. If you go won the a, Big Ten tournament, yeah, probably. If you if you, yeah. if you like one out, if you won six straight games here. Yeah, I think they do because that's that's kind of what the twenty one team did is they they just got on a hot streak and they got the one in that Big Ten tournament. Like we were talking about them as a two line, could they be a one? Like they just got so hot at the end of the year that they had twelve quad one wins. It was right just ridiculous by the end of the year. Yeah, and maybe even if you were to lose, say either at Wisconsin or at Iowa, but you beat Purdue at home, you won the other one of those, and then you went the and still you went in the Big Ten tournament and you maybe beat Wisconsin and then you beat Purdue again, that might put you in the two seed line five and one or six and oh could, could give yeah. you that potential. I mean, that that's shooting for the sky here, but um, yeah, the, the, we're just saying like there's things to play for and this team is capable of doing it. Right. Uh, but they're, they're four and five against quad one opponents. So this is their best opportunity to really help that resume when no one else besides those top three is like, certain it feels like in, the, in those yep. those next seed lines and everybody's got tough games here coming up so do have a huge opportunity let's get to a few of the comments here before we get out of here Derek Michael says Terrence going over a thousand points tonight as an Illini not been mentioned that's really impressive for two years has he really scored that many points as an Illini uniform mm, I don't think so that seems like too many <laughs> Let me look that up because no, that's it. But this kind of just goes into the he is one of the top three along. Well, no, he has. Is he really he has. that's insane? 534 last year. Uh if ESPN's updated, 
453 this year. That must be before tonight. Yeah. That's insane. He's one of the best three Illini we've covered. It's crazy. Yeah. He is for sure. No yeah, doubt. Sure. I mean, like, he's two and, and first we, team all Americans, and he'd be that if he played a full season. It's on paper, he's that. My God, I didn't mean to doubt you there. It's just like I was trying to do the math in my head. It's like, yeah, he has scored that many points. And when he averaged <laughs> close to 20 points a game, you're certainly getting that echelon. Uh, like, I, I've talked to a couple of all Big Ten voters, said they're voting for him. Like, I, I think that's going to be the attitude of a lot of all Big Ten voters. Now, the All American, it might be different. I, I don't know uh, whether they vote for that or not. He hasn't been on some of these lists. Um, I think that should change. But listen, I, I can't be a judge of, of a criminal case. Like, my job is to vote for the basketball, and right now it's unquestionably. I mean, you can make an argument, boo-booey over Terrence Shannon if you want to in your Big Ten player of the year, but Terrence Shannon's the top two player in the Big Ten. Easily, easily. And I dare anybody to name four other players, five other players that are better than him nationally. Now, you got some some good ones on that, that national landscape, but as far as guys you wouldn't want to see in the tournament, I think it's a – a short list of, of company in terms of him being on that same type of a tier. Edie's in there, of course. Uh, he's on that list. Uh, I think that mm-hmm. – I know Jamal Shedd's played really, really well for Houston. There, there's been some guys – Dalton Connect. Uh, Dalton Connect, for sure. Um, Dickinson could be one of those guys. Kansas might need him to be. Um, he hasn't had that type of year, I don't think. Like I, um, I, Kevin McCuller, I know he plays for Kansas. I'd take Terrence Shannon. Yeah. I mean, he outdueled them when they played in a game that didn't matter, but uh, it was a real it, – it, it battled out like a real game, obviously. Um, yeah. So, yeah, Tyler Kolok, I probably wouldn't want to see in the tournament either. But nice. – uh, and just UConn. UConn's not really really one player. But um, – Well, here's, here's my thing. He should be on – like, there's no reason he shouldn't be on a third team or a second team. Oh, so like, I think you, second you can team argue, is the bar. Yeah, like Tristan Newton's probably going to get votes because he's on UConn. Kyle Filipowski, R.J. Davis, because he's on North Carolina. All those guys, like Johnny Broom's a really good player at Auburn. All those guys deserve credit, and I don't watch enough college basketball to separate who's 1 through 15, but he's he needs to be in that 1 through 15 because it's just we're, we're voting on basketball here, um, yep. and he's on that. He should be. No doubt. All right. Uh, let's go anything else here. Um, let me get through these. Winning the next two, Divine says, could be so pivotal. Yeah, if you win the next two and you head to Iowa with at least thought that, hey, Wisconsin help us a little bit, like Nebraska helped us a couple of years ago. If Nebraska can week. go to the Kohl Center without one of the McGowan's brothers and then Verge gets in – he got in foul trouble, right? Like he was going off yeah. and then he got like four fouls early in the second half and they still win. Anything can happen on the last day. Anything. Yeah. Um, I think we're good here. That's that's it's a late night. We appreciate all you guys uh, for watching the Illini Inquirer podcast live on YouTube. More than 350 of you, 400 at one point. Hit that like button on your way out. Subscribe to us. Hit the notifications bell as well. We'll have plenty. Joey Wagner was at the Combine today. We gave him the night off from the game because he's been doing work uh, out there. Also did a great column on uh, Caitlin Clark when he went to Iowa City for the Illini women's basketball game. But he'll have something on Keith Randolph tomorrow. He's already got something up on Johnny Newton. And he caught up with uh, one of my favorites, Dane Brugler from The Athletic. Been reading a lot about him from him, Derek, because of the Bears' high draft picks here. Um, 
So no breaking news yet. We haven't broken your Justin going Fields. around about Chicago or anything. We, we haven't broken your Justin Fields heart yet. You know what? It's it's fine. I'll I'll be okay. You'll I think it's okay. gonna, it'll happen. Peter King gave it his opinion, um, but I appreciated that, even though he then came out and said it was not sourced. It was just kind of his opinion. But uh, so, I love Peter King. Sloppily written. Sloppily written opinion. Yeah. Uh, when he yeah. said <laughs> that, but uh, yeah, I think. We're getting a different quarterback, and uh, I Probably. wish Justin Fields all the luck. I'll root for him when he's not playing the Bears. Um, I, but here's the thing, Derek. I have confidence in Ryan Poles. Like he, he seems very competent. Yeah. As a compared to my other fandoms in Chicago <laughs> sports organizations, yeah, uh, he just set us up for for something good here. So hopefully he makes the most of it. Yeah, I mean he gave himself the the opportunity to make this power move with the, the Carolina pick, he nailed that. And uh, look, he was in the, in the room with the organization that took Mahomes. I know that it was, would have given maybe a little bit more credit if he was in the bear spot and had to then pass on Trubisky and Watson and took Mahomes instead. But uh, they do know what that looks like. I'm, they I am pass up on Watson. Yeah. It, 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 I am hesitant a little bit because I think the Mahomes comps get thrown around a little too much. Even too though much. Like, stylistically, I get it. All right. Can we go here? Like, the Mahomes comps are kind of ridiculous because he might be the best ever. Like, no, right. no offense to Tom Brady. Aaron Rodgers, is that is that a step below? I mean, <laughs> he actually it is, reminds it is, me a little bit of him. It is a step below. And then, yeah, I mean, Rodgers on the off script stuff, extending plays. Uh, Quick, quick I, I don't know if he's going to be that. I, yeah, I don't know I if mean, Caleb's going to be that. But like, I, I've watched enough Caleb to be like, that guy is is different. Like, he, he is yeah, really he's really different. talented. He's going to have a lot of things he needs to fix. Um, but I think he's going to be set up better for the Bears, which is weird for me to say. Uh, if he's that pick, or, or if Washington wants to throw a bunch at you and you like Drake May just as much, I'll go with Drake May. Not as much of Jaden Daniels guy. Um, maybe that'll look bad in four, five years. But uh, Drake May's got some Herbert to him, so either way, it's going to be an exciting time to be a, to be a Bears fan. Uh, just hopefully we don't screw this up too much. I, but I have confidence. Like I, I'm a little bit more confident in this regime doing the right thing. But I kind of like that we might swing for the fences for a quarterback, Derek. Um, even though we got a solid one, I just don't think yeah. he's shown that he's definitely that caliber of quarterback. So. If you got a chance at, at, at a guy like this, I'm all for it. But then go get him another wide receiver. Go get me. I go get Marvin Harrison Jr. and give up a bunch for him. Just get both of them while you're at. I know. The field thing or hurts Roma my heart. I'm fine with him. It hurts my heart. But, uh, you know, if uh, – if I mean, I, I had a Jay Cutler jersey. I was all about oh, him. I get it. I, just, I, I realize, eh, he's, he's fine. He's middle tier. He's, like, he's fine. I would have taken Jay Cutler on a lot of these recent teams. Um, that's right. <laughs> but anyway, like, you know, Joey Wagner needs to share the the good quarterback juju, you know, whatever it is. Jordan Love looking like he's really good. Like, what's up? Just give us one. I don't care what the name is on the jersey or anything. As long as they come up and produce, I'm good. I'm good. Like, uh, I was talking to a Minnesota Vikings fan tonight, and they're like, yeah, do we keep Kirk Cousin? And I'm like, he'd be the best quarterback we've ever had. <laughs> <laughs> By far, be the best quarterback true. we've ever had. Yeah. All right, that'll wrap it up for us. Uh, I'll have plenty of draft thoughts. It's just 
consuming my mind here uh, as we get uh, closer and closer. But a uh, big week for some guys at the scouting combine. We'll catch up with a couple more of them at the combine. They got the pro day next week as well. Everybody have a great night. Take care of each other. We'll talk to you next time right here on the Online Enquirer podcast. Picture this, it's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road, any road, the steeper the better. Because my all new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all wheel drive so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai. There's joy in every journey. MTV's official Challenge podcast is back for another season. And so are we. I'm Tori Deal. And I'm Anissa Ferreira. The wait is over, guys. All Stars 4 is finally here. And this season takes it to a whole new level. Old school legends, modern power players, and ex-lovers are all competing in Cape Town, South Africa for the prize of $300,000. And we're going to be right here along with you fans covering every episode on the podcast. Listen to MTV's official challenge podcast wherever you get your podcasts.